I'm Neil Osborne, and welcome to the Get to Yes podcast, where I teach, coach, consult, and speak on selling in the hair, beauty, and body industries. Have you noticed these days with your clients, or be they B2B salon owners or B2C salon and clinic clients, that being pushy just doesn't work? Talking doesn't work. However, asking and listening does. Throughout these podcasts, I'm going to discuss a style of selling that uses the skill of persuasion. Our belief is that you get to yes by listening, not telling. If you practice these persuasion skills, you'll become more successful, achieve greater results, gain that recognition you're yearning for, or maybe even just learn that selling can be fun. Hi, Neil Osborne here from The Sales Catalyst. In this episode, we're continuing to work through the unpacking and the most common question I get asked by B2B salespeople. You know, those B2B salespeople that are selling their products to salon owners. Be it beauty salons, skin clinics, owners of hairdressing salons or even spray tan salons. Regardless of what you are selling or who you are selling to, the most common question I get asked is how do I handle objections? So let's pick up from the last episode. In the last episode, we discussed the importance of not reacting to that superficial public objection. To see it as a fob off, to see it as an excuse and learn to leave it for those unskilled salespeople to struggle with. Whereas I'd like to encourage you to go hunting, to go hunting for that personal objection. And we did that by learning to pause. We did that by learning to say, that's not a problem. Using that well-schooled technique to diffuse and diffuse the pressure. We then asked a vital question. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? And then we listen. And I mean truly listen. Listen with the intent to understand and understand from their perspective. So now you're probably starting to realise that you can work your way out and around that objection now that you've converted it from an objection to an opportunity. However, our goal is to go down deeper deeper, even to a further, deeper layer. And that layer is what we call the private. Remember our three ovals stacked one on top of the other in descending in size? The top one we named public, the middle personal, and that bottom small one is private. Can you remember the steps that we went through as well? You were presenting confidently a new retail concept in your salon presentation, and next thing out of the blue comes a sales objection. We have heaps of retail, we don't need any more. We demonstrated empathy and we paused and endeavoured to consider that from their perspective. But however, we also realised that this was just a public objection, a fob off. We responded with, that's not a problem. We paused and then we asked an important question. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? And then we moved to active listening. Mm-hmm, okay, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To encourage the information to continue to flow. And as a result of our questioning skills and our listening skills, we were rewarded with the owner opening up and saying, well, you know, my girls are not good at retail. Jenny never sells anything. Sue is okay, but only if they ask first. And as for Mary, well, don't get me started. Do you remember that? Our next goal was to explore what is going on in the buyer's mind behind those comments. What's her perspective on those challenges? What is she thinking about? Not what you're thinking about, but what's going on in her mind behind those comments? That's what we really need to find out. 
And to do so allows us to dig deeper, to be rewarded with a greater understanding. So how do we do that? Well, you're probably starting to get to know me a little bit now. And my suggestion for your next step, believe it or not, is to ask a question. (laughs) But that question may be slightly different. And it may go something like, hmm, what effect does that have? Or what knock-on effect does that have? Or what effect does that have in your business? Or what effect does that have on you? These are what we call consequence questions. In other words, what is the consequence of the salon owner accepting that behavior from her staff? However, please, please be careful here. You know, we don't want to phrase these questions as leading questions and try to push again because we'll quickly undo the trust we've built. We need to ask those questions more as an inquiry with curiosity. Some of the top salespeople I work with are really, really curious and are great at asking good questions. At this stage, we also need to be very careful and respectful as our client could be feeling very vulnerable, almost as if she's being judged. So it's very important that you do not overlay any judgment in the question or in the tone of which you ask that question. So we also need to be very mindful about this tone issue because sometimes we can say the right question but just load it with totally the wrong tone. But if we get it right, we'll definitely get rewarded. And here's an example of some of the rewards that I've personally experienced recently when I've been out on the road training. And when asked that question, what effect does that have? This is some of the responses I've had. Well, if they sold some bloody stock, I might be able to pay some bills. Another client said, well, if they sold some retail, (laughs) I might even be able to pay myself a wage. Another, having some retail profits could be the difference between making a profit and not. So this is how important this stuff is to a salon owner. This is comments that don't just get offered up to anybody. These are comments that are coming out at a very, very private level. And we need to treat them accordingly. So it's very clear that we're now starting to get to a very private level of conversation. These comments are definitely not public. These are definitely not follow-offs, nor are they personal comments. These are true private comments that are generally only reserved to be shared with the most trusted. So now that you've reached this critical point, what do you say? Well, you don't pitch. What you do say is, what can I do to help you with that? And you guess right, you then pause. Now what happens at this point is really, really interesting because it's extremely rare for the buyer to actually ask you to do anything at this point. Instead, they start to rattle off all the things that they need to do. And it might go something like this. Well, what I need to do is I need to do some training with my girls. Um, I need to get them motivated, Um, maybe an incentive. Um, And you'll actually see them start to prepare and pull out a list of things that they feel they need to do to address this circumstance. Now, this is where the gold is, by the way. Now, this is the ideal time to slowly put forward your solutions and guide the client back out of this quandary. At this point, you are no longer a salesperson. You are quickly becoming a trusted advisor, helping support this client to move down a more productive path. You have reached this point as a trusted advisor all because you prepared, practiced and executed a different response to sales objections. 
Before I recap, I'd like just to come back to those few questions that I've offered you when I said, what effect does that have? What knock-on effect does that have? What effect does that have on your business? What effect does that have on you? Now, my preference, by the way, is to use the first. What effect does that have? Why? It's a shorter question. It's much more open. And I have the potential of really getting a much broader response to that question versus what effect does that have on your business? If I use that question, I'm only going to get a business-related answer. For example, I was in a meeting recently and I said, so what effect does that have? And the lady looked at me and said, if I spend another cent on retail, my husband's going to kill me. So, you know, all of a sudden we start to get this information out that's just so different, so, so different than what you're used to handling. So I really encourage you when you are operating down at this lower level, keep your questions short, keep them succinct, and keep them simple so people are really clear on what you're asking. So let's recap. How did we get all the way down here from a simple sales objection? So you know how it goes. You've got a new retail line to explore and present. And, well, you know, we're normally full of enthusiasm where we've got something new to show and clients like to see new. So here we are very excitedly and lots of enthusiasm in our presentation. Well, lo and behold, maybe talking a little bit too much, not asking enough questions, but that's how it goes when we're excited. So then you get hit with that sales objection. We have heaps of retail and we don't need any more. Step one, perspective listening. Step two, label it as a public objection. Respond with, that's not a problem. Pause, ask a question. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? And actively listen to what the client is saying about that circumstance. In my example, she starts to talk about staff and the challenges and problems. So then we simply move on to, well, what effect does that have? We need to pause. And we, again, we need to listen. And when she starts to explain to you what effect that's having on the business, you then move to a consultant space, not a sales space, with the question of, what can I do to help you with that? Listen. Listen to the things that Jenny or the salon owner, in this case, is starting to put forward as possible solutions. You know that these are the things that she's now thinking of. You have now discovered the path of least resistance to be able to put forward solutions, persuade the salon owner to a course of positive action, of which now we are now talking about implementation. Now we're talking about the timeline. Now we're talking about when these things are going to occur. Wow. How did we get here all from a sales objection? We got here because we paused. We didn't react to the first question we got. We identified it as a public and therefore a fob-off objection. We took the opportunity to listen and to actively listen. We prepared some really good questions to ask. And we were careful and respectful as we delved deeper and deeper into that private space. This is a formula that I've used time and time again when it comes to effective and skillful ways of handling objections. So what are the key takeaways? Well, I hope I've given you a totally different perspective on how to handle sales objections. My goal was to build your confidence and build your knowledge to know that sales objections are not mountains. They're simply a brick wall that you've got to learn to walk around, not take on. Finally, 
for the skilled and for the more advanced in the group, you can truly move to being a more trusted advisor by the way that you choose to handle objections. And for all those million dollar reps out there, I know that's where you want to go. So I look forward to sharing with you our next podcast series. And until then, enjoy your day. Thanks for listening. As a Get To Yes podcaster, you have direct access to something special. A 60-minute interactive video conference training course is available to those of you who want to further develop your skills in handling sales objections. They're run privately, you know, just for you and your company sales team. If this is a fit for you, drop me an email with video conference special in the subject line. Be quick though, as there's limited sessions available. Or book me for your next sales meeting or sales conference. If you like what you've heard, please share it with someone you know who is looking to become more persuasive, diffuse resistance, and get to yes. Our podcasts are bi-weekly, so subscribe on iTunes or you can visit me at thesalescatalyst.com.au.